Welcome to the Speak As Well As You Think podcast brought to you by Vautier Communications. I'm your host, Jenny Rurick. The goal of this show is to uncover communication strategies and behaviors you can use to improve the way you show up and perform at work. I'll sit down with communication experts and professionals across different fields to uncover what effective communication looks like in action so you can apply to your own career. If you'd like a written summary of each episode, subscribe to our weekly email newsletter by visiting vautiercommunications.com. That's V-A-U-T-I-E-R communications.com. Check out the show notes for a link. Today, I'm joined by my co-coach, Jen Alex, who is the Vice President of Vautier Communications. Jen has been coaching and training professionals on their communication and presentation skills for nine years. So Jen, thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to talk to you today. Today, Jen and I are going to be talking about what you as a presenter can do to stand out, really to set yourself apart from how the rest of your peers or those within your organization present. Presentations we've found in the trainings and coachings that we do with many professionals across all different industries are that presentations have become the preferred method for information sharing. They happen both informally and formally. In the time that I've been coaching, one of the most common misconceptions I hear about presentations is thinking that they only count when you've got a formal deck and you're standing in front of an audience. Jen, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. When you think of a presentation, can you tell us a little bit about what a presentation is and how it might look different depending on that level of formality? Yeah. And this is one of the things I always tell our clients when I start a coaching session with them. I tell them that reframe your definition of a presentation. A presentation is any opportunity you have to speak in front of one or more individuals. That can be on that informal, I'm meeting with my team, I'm having a one-on-one with somebody else I work with. That can mean you might be standing up on a stage elevated with a microphone on, speaking to 300 people. But anytime I have the opportunity to talk to somebody else, I frame that as a presentation in my mind. I want to turn on these good verbal and physical skills. I want to make sure that I have my content organized so that the conversation goes in a productive direction. And I want to make sure they leave thinking that, hey, this interaction was worthwhile and I enjoyed that. Yeah, I, it's so important to have that mindset that anytime, regardless of formality, you get the opportunity to share your ideas in front of people in and outside of your organization, it is a presentation. And what the best part of that too is that having that mindset will encourage you to treat these opportunities with a little more rigor because what I have found in my own career is the moments that I didn't think were all that important turned out to be the moments that had the greatest impact on my career. Absolutely. And some of those are more of your casual conversations. The other thing it really helps with is nervousness. Everybody has stress or anxiety on some level when you are preparing for a presentation. If you reframe your thinking and find or 
tell yourself that every interaction or conversation you have with somebody else is a quote unquote presentation, all of a sudden it becomes less anxiety filled or less stressful because you're doing them 10, 20, 30 times a day. Oh, strong point. I'm going to let that one sink in. So <laughs> true. All right. With those things in mind, I want to talk about what those of you who are listening can do to stand out when you deliver a presentation. Number one, presenters who stand out, they flex their delivery to their audience. What that means to me is that they notice what's happening in front of them. Or if you're presenting virtually, you notice how people are responding to you in the thumbnails of their videos virtually. Jen, what can presenters do to be more present to and notice what's going on with their audience in front of them? Yeah, that's a great question. And the biggest suggestion that I have is to look at your audience. And that's probably something that most people will say, okay, obviously I already do that. But what we see most often clients do is that we scan. We scan our audience, which means our eyes are on this constant swivel left to right or around the room. And when we scan, yes, we're looking at everybody, but we're not stopping and actually engaging or connecting with anyone. And when I just scan a group, something might catch my eye here or there. But for the most part, I can't tell what my audience is thinking, what's going through their head, or how what I'm sharing is affecting them either in a good way, or perhaps I need to adjust where I am in my presentation, the style that I'm using, or maybe even move things along a little bit faster. Yeah. It makes me think about being in a one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone and naturally we spend most of our time looking at that other person. And one of the benefits is when I'm looking at you, I can read your body language. But for most professionals that we work with, what we see is as soon as they stand up in front of a group, it becomes really difficult to just look at one person. And yet you cannot read someone else's body language if you're not taking time to notice each of those individuals that's making up the group in front of you. Absolutely. And that goes back to the point we just talked about a few minutes ago with that nervousness. When we stand up in the front of the room, we're vulnerable. We're the only ones standing. We have all eyes on us. That's a time where most of us feel the, the most uncomfortable or have the most anxiety. So one, if you reframe those opportunities or your idea of a presentation that they happen all day, every day, you become a little bit less nervous. And then when you break a larger group down, and rather than trying to look at and engage with 15 people at the same time, if I can stop and have these mini one-on-one -on -one conversations with people, it automatically feels less stressful. It feels like a more intimate or comfortable, think of it like being at a, a dinner party. There could be 30, 40 people there, but most of us aren't nervous in those situations because we kind of float around the room. Maybe we're talking with a group of seven people, we move to another group and there's 15 people there, but we have these one-on-one -on -one conversations with that group as a whole. So it becomes less stressful from the very beginning. Yeah. I love that example of the dinner party. Let's say Jen, I'm standing up and I'm presenting to a group of my peers, maybe a boss. 
and I notice someone in my audience looks maybe bored or disengaged, what's a mistake you see most professionals make when they do notice that people might not be as engaged as they would like them to be? Yeah, the biggest thing we notice is people tend to speed up. I want to, the thought process is, I want to get you all of my information quicker. Big mistake there, because the faster we talk, the harder it is for our audience to reflect or understand or even move that information to what I'll call long-term retention. Speeding up is not the solution. I want you to think about making your points, perhaps thinking of it as making your points more brief. But if I were to look at a slide or look at a section of that presentation or meeting, I would ask myself, what are the most compelling things that I can share with this audience or what do they need to know and then the rest of it, I consider nice to know information. If I can tell that I'm starting to lose my audience some, I don't speed up. I figure out what are the most important pieces and that's what I give them. And then I continue to move on. Yeah, beautiful. To wrap on number one, if you want to stand out as a presenter, pay attention to your audience. And when you notice what we call signs of ineffectiveness, it is time to call an audible. And as Jen mentioned, we, first of all, we need to look and notice people in order to read their body language and it will also help calm our nerves. And when we do notice those signs of ineffectiveness, we don't wanna speed up. Instead, we wanna think about summarizing our information and giving people those key takeaways. Now, moving on to number two, we see presenters who stand out, they treat the experience of their presentation with as much respect as they treat the content they want to deliver their content in a way their audience can not only both connect with but also easily remember i see two sub parts to this point number one is presenters who do this they take time to set some ground rules at the start of their presentation to create a structure for how they want their audience to participate and then the second piece here is when they do deliver their content, they do it conversationally and not performatively because they know being conversational is a more genuine way to engage their audience. Jen, let's focus on the first piece of this. When presenters set ground rules for the experience of their presentation, what are a few things you'd recommend that they do to guide their audience from the get-go? Yeah, a couple of things I recommend starting with. First, Tell your audience when they can cut in and ask questions. People are inherently going to have questions or comments for you. So every time I start off a training, and now again, it's slightly different depending on what you're talking about and who your audience is, but I always start off by telling our clients, anytime you have a question, cut in. You can raise your hand, you can just cut in and interrupt me if you want. I would rather answer your questions when you have them versus blow past something and have it either not make sense or have you start to check out where you're no longer listening or paying attention. If you are on more of that time crunch, let's say you're giving maybe an hour lunch and learn, you've got 40 minutes of content and you're leaving 20 minutes at the end to give time to discuss or ask questions then, you can also set it up that way. I'm gonna spend the next half an hour, 40 minutes of your time sharing some information with you 
And then I will leave a good chunk of time planning on 20 minutes at the end for us to go through and discuss any of the points I've just shared and to answer any questions you may have. I am always in the mindset, let your audience ask you questions when they pop up, but you can set that guideline from the very beginning if you do have a preference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I do think if you do allow people to interrupt you, you also have to be confident in your ability to facilitate that conversation to not only make sure that it doesn't get off track, but when you do notice you're spending a lot of time on questions and you still have content to get through that you have the confidence in your ability to be assertive and step in and say, we need to table the rest of the questions right now. If you have them, write them down and we're going to move on and we will continue to address them or we will take time at the end. Yeah, great. that's a, a great point there too. And having people write them down is a great option because you can always go back and make sure that their questions do get answered either at the end of the meeting or tell people to send them to you. And then mm -hmm. you can answer those questions, send them back out to everyone. But it's also a great way to transition and say, I know we have a lot of great discussion going on right now. Some of your questions might be answered in some of this information that's coming up. So let's take a quick pause on the questions, get back in, and let's see if as we continue building on this content, some of those questions you have are getting answered. Mm -hmm. So right now we're talking about what presenters can do to set some ground rules to manage or create a better experience during their presentation. The first thing that you mentioned to us was about communicating to your audience when and how you'd like them to ask questions. What's another thing presenters can do to manage or set up themselves for success when it comes to starting the delivery of their presentation? Great question. And as soon as you let your audience know when they can cut in, almost the next step that I would recommend is telling them what you're going to go through or what you're going to talk about today. So setting that agenda right up front, here's what we're going to discuss. If it's a longer meeting or training or something along that line, here's when you're going to get a break so that people know, hey, if I have a four-hour class that I'm going to sit through, that feels overwhelming. But if they know that in 90 minutes, they're going to get a 10, a 15-minute stand up and stretch, people have a little bit more ability to pay attention and stay tuned in, knowing that there's a little bit of a break coming. So telling your audience what we're going to walk through today so that they have an idea of where we're going. And then if it is longer, sharing any of those breaks, maybe breakout sessions or partner work, things like that can be really helpful so that your audience has an idea of how this is going to run. Mm -hmm. The an analogy that I've used before that resonates with a lot of people is, Jen, imagine I signed you up for a race yeah. and I came to you and I said, hey, Jen, I signed you up for a race. I need you to meet me at the track tomorrow at 6 a.m. One of the first questions you would ask me is, well, how long is this race? And the reason why you'd ask that is because you want to know how to pace yourself. When we give presentations, your audience feels the exact same way. They want to know how long the race is Absolutely. and what the race looks like. And the way we do that is through the through an agenda. And the third thing that I, I can think of in terms of setting a or setting ourselves up for success when we present is people are always wondering 
how they're going to get access or if they're going to get access to the materials or the information that's being shared. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, there's really a couple of it, it comes down to culture of the organization or maybe the client or customer you're working with. There are some cultures that want pre-reads or they want and expect access to an entire presentation. Now, if you have a pre-read culture, that's what you're expected to do. And unless you have a C in front of your title, you're probably not changing the culture. So you adjust to what they need and expect. If you have flexibility and you want to share your full presentation deck, I think that's an option you can do. I would recommend sharing it at the end. And the reason I say that is because when people have access to the entire deck in front of them, a lot of people have the tendency to flip through. And so they might be five, 10 slides ahead of where you are within the actual presentation itself. And that's where people have a tendency to tune you out as they read your deck. And then there's just this disconnect between what they might be hearing you say and what they are currently looking at or reading. So if you can give it to them at the end, they'll have that information to refer back to, but they'll be in tune with you throughout the whole presentation. Mm. Another Great option advice. is to, if you aren't interested in giving the entire deck out, another option you might consider is putting together maybe a one page, two at most, depending on how long your presentation or meeting was, key takeaway, summary wrap up of some sort. So you take those key points you discussed within your meeting or within that presentation, and you have this summary document that you can then send participants or audience members at the end. And those are those key reminders. So if they didn't take notes or they missed a piece, they have that document to be able to refer back to as well. Mm -hmm. I love that idea. And although it's a little more work for the presenter, again, the point that we're talking about right now is if you do want to stand out among your peers or others within your organization, it is something you can do is to take that extra step to not just pass along your slides, which typically aren't set up to be read yep. as they're meant to be presented, but to have some notes. Now, the second piece here is that stand-up presenters, they also, what we find is they deliver their content conversationally, but they still come across like a professional. Often in business, what we have to talk about in itself is not inherently interesting, but a great presenter can make any content sound fascinating. Jen, any tips you can share on what our listeners can do to elevate the vocal delivery of their content to be more engaging, regardless of what their content is about? Yeah, this is one we talk about quite often in our sessions. And one of the biggest areas or rooms for growth that a lot of clients have is speaking louder. Most of us are afraid of coming across as if we're yelling or we're talking down to people. Vatir Communications has worked with two people ever that we've said, time out. You got to bring that volume down just a touch because you are coming across as if you're yelling or it sounds a little bit more condescending. It's just too intense. Of the other hundreds of thousands of people we've worked with, almost everybody we're coaching to speak up. So the first thing that you can do, the louder your volume is, the more variation in your tone you're going to get. Think of it as your inflection. That's the interesting part of listening to anybody talk. 
regardless of what it is they're talking about, the peaks and valleys that the voice goes through is what makes you want to continue listening to somebody no matter what it is they're sharing. So the first piece is definitely always focusing on that volume. If you know you're a little bit of a soft speaker, start with somebody in the back of the room. Make sure that's the first person you give your thought to because it forces you to throw your volume at the very beginning and it's a lot easier to stay higher than it is if you started with somebody in the front row in more of that one-to-one volume and then you gradually try and push it up from there. And the volume is a, it's a big piece. And when we hear people projecting their voice, they naturally, they come across with more confidence and command. Just literally, it helps people in your audience hear what it is you are saying. I, what I've worked with a few of our clients on is this idea that when people present, they all of a sudden feel like they have to sound like a professional. And although I understand the intention behind that, I think it's a a misguided approach because when people try and sound like a professional, they end up sounding cold and distant and just not like themselves. And although they might sound like what their idea of a professional is, people in an audience, to them, it feels disingenuine. Yeah. And it comes across scripted. We tell clients all the time, I don't want you to memorize your information. Memorization is a bad idea, most often because it's built on a cadence. So if you miss a line or you miss a word, you almost always have to go back to the very beginning in order to pick up and find that rhythm again. But the other thing it does, it's almost like reading a script out loud. If you were to script out a presentation and you read it out loud, typically our vocal energy drops because we don't read in our head with that inflection and that tone. And so we tell our clients, we would like you to be familiar with your information. You get to a slide, you know, all right, there are three things, main things I want to hit on this slide. But each time you deliver that slide, it might come out slightly different. Those three main points always remain the same but I just put them in simple sentences or conversational, a conversational talk track that allows me to feel like, again, I'm having a conversation. I'm not giving a performance. Mm -hmm. And although we coach the skills, our skill set, the exact same way to every single client we work with, we're not looking to make carbon copies of anybody else. So if you were to, if any of our clients were to sit in and run through a session with you, Jenny, go through the exact same program with me, or go through the exact same program with our other coach, John, they would all have those key takeaways and the same learnings, but they're going to get a very different experience with each of us just because of our own uniquenesses and our personality. Mm -hmm. So I always tell clients, we want your personality to shine. We want the skills to be buttoned up and have you present in that that professional way, but I'm not trying to make you sound exactly like me. Mm -hmm. And when I do think there is a little bit of fear for a lot of people in speaking conversationally, because I think it often gets misinterpreted as being too casual. Yeah. 
what Jen, what do you think is the greatest benefit of people speaking conversationally or taking on that approach? That's a great question. And I always tell my clients, especially when they start to get a little bit nervous or uncomfortable, people want to do business with people they like. So I tell them, you don't have to, but think about that client or customer or that new person on your team. They might leave a meeting with you and say, I would love to go and have a beer with that person. That's the type of relationship. And not that you're going to go and have a beer or go out for drinks or dinner with that individual, but people are much more likely to come back to your presentations, to continue interacting with you or creating a, a better relationship when they like you on that personal level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, love it. So to wrap on number two, if you wanna stand out as a presenter, when you deliver your message, you really need to think of yourself as a guide and you want to create and prioritize the experience that your audience is having. The two things that we talked about doing are number one, setting some ground rules at the start about how the presentation is going to work. So there's some structure there. And then the second thing was to deliver conversationally, not trying to sound like a professional, but speaking conversationally while also maintaining your professionalism. Now, moving on to number three, which will be our last one, presenters who stand out, what we see are constantly telling their audience where they are, where they've been, and where they're going. Speaking is different than writing in that people who are listening to a presentation can't quote unquote, go back to refresh their memory on something that was just said. It's not like reading a book. Audiences need our help as presenters to constantly be orienting themselves to where we're at within the content and great presenters from what we see take on that role willingly. Jen, what can presenters do to better manage transitions, beginnings and endings of ideas, concepts and sections within their presentations? One of the biggest things you get to the end of an idea or a section of a presentation, ask yourself, how can I summarize this in maybe one or two sentences? You constantly want to be having these mini conclusions throughout the presentation. It's not just one giant conclusion at the end. Here's what we've learned, but each step along the way should have that component of here's what this information shared with us and how it leads us on to the next piece. Yeah, great. I agree. The mini conclusions thing is a really great way to put it. It's within one presentation, there are lots of individual ideas and we need to almost leave breadcrumbs for our audience as to when those ideas are stopping and a new one is starting. What about transitions? What are transitions and then any advice on how someone might work on developing the transitions they're using. Transitions are really a statement about how what you just talked about naturally leads into your next point. And so you want to think about, think of it like a puzzle. You put these puzzle pieces together and they fit in some way. You want your presentation to have this logical turn of events that all fit together. So I might finish saying something like, Based on what we just talked about with understanding who your audience is, once you've figured out who that specific audience is, then we need to figure out what's the best way in organizing that information for them. And that's yeah, what I, and what I hear you saying there really quick, sorry to interrupt you, is yeah. you're almost 
talking out loud about the natural questions that your audience is asking of what's coming next based on what I just heard. Exactly. Yep. And that's a great way of almost giving rhetor using rhetorical questions is another great option. You might finish a sentence and say something like, so what does that mean for our organization? Well, let mm -hmm. me take you through blah, 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 blah. And you go mm -hmm. in from there. So having those rhetorical questions, one, it's conversational. So that goes right back to what we just finished talking about. And then two, it helps us use a transition that's natural. We're not just clicking to a new slide and starting with my findings. So there's this natural conversational tone and sentence structure to it where it easily flows into that next topic. Again, connecting each piece throughout the whole meeting or presentation. To wrap on number three, then, if you want to stand out as a presenter, you need to verbally guide your audience through your presentation. Whenever you get to a new section or maybe a new idea, you want to tell them where you're at, summarize some of those key points, where you've been, and then where you're going to go next. That's what we have for you today. Again, you are listening to Vautier Communications Speak as well as You Think podcast. To recap, the three things you can do to stand out as a presenter are number one, pay attention and notice your audience. You're going to look for signs of ineffectiveness. And when you notice them, you're going to use them as opportunities to re-engage your audience. Number two, to stand out as a presenter, prioritize the experience of your audience, maybe even more so than the actual content itself. Absolutely. If your audience is not engaged, it's not going to matter how great your content is. Set some ground rules at the start and focus on delivering conversationally instead of trying to sound like a professional. And number three, remember that you are a guide for your audience. Throughout your presentation, remind them where you are, where you've been, and where you're going. Thanks for being here, Jen. Thanks so much for having me, Jenny. Thanks for listening to the Speak As Well As You Think podcast brought to you by Vautier Communications, and I am your host, Jenny Rierick. Vautier Communications is in the business of business communications. We coach and train both individuals and groups on how to elevate their presence and increase their impact through the way they communicate, present, and write. If you want to learn more about our in-person or virtual training options, visit our website, www.vautiercommunications.com. That's V-A-U-T-I-E-R communications.com. Thanks for listening.